What is up, everybody? How you guys doing? You guys doing good? You doing good? Man, I love that, uh, that time of prayer that Jacob had you guys uh, go through. Those moments are impactful. Those moments are, if you're somebody who, who reached out to a friend, like he asked, and that friend actually saw your message or, or got your text, whatever it is, those things matter. Those things stick with people. And the message tonight is about being invited into God's presence and stepping into his presence. So my prayer for you guys is that you can lean into this message, that you can hear it, and that you can share this with whoever that you just sent that message to tonight. So I'm going to get into it. But first, I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. God, thank you that we have the privilege to be in your presence and gather as a, as a church body of believers, God, and, and gather on a weekly basis. Lord, how, how blessed are we that we get to do this? And in some places, this is illegal. God, some places, this is, this is not even allowed, Jesus. So thank you for this opportunity and this privilege, Jesus. We love you. In your name, amen. So for those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Jake. I'm new to the high school staff as of this year. I've uh, been on staff at Grace for about a year now. Spent all last school year up with the junior high team with Danny and Grace. And now I have the privilege to be with you guys. So if I don't know you and if I've never met you, I'd love to get to know you. Just putting it flat out, I'm really bad with names. So if you tell me your name and I meet you and then I see you next week and I forget it already, it doesn't mean that I forgot you as a person. I just blanked on your name. So I'm apologizing in advance for that. Well, welcome back to week two of our known series. As some of you guys know, if you were here last week, uh, Jacob kicked off the series and uh, taught out a Psalm 139. And, and the theme was, just, he just said it, that God has searched us, and that he knows us, that he knows the deepest parts of us, that he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows us better than anybody could possibly know us, and that there's no place that we can't go that God will not meet us. So tonight, I'm going to be picking back up in Psalm 139. But first, I want to ask you guys a question. Who here grew up playing like night games? Anybody? Wow, that is a sadly low number of people. Night games were like huge when I was a kid. But if not night games, then like hide and seek inside. Anyways, you guys, you guys get the gist of it. So, you know, I'm just going to demonstrate it. So for hide and seek or whatever the game it is, you guys can picture it. You're sitting back, you're hiding, and you're waiting. Exactly, you guys don't know where I am. You're waiting, you're waiting. And then you do like one of these every now and then, and you kind of look out to see if you can like see if the person knows where you're at. And then all of a sudden you start, you like get this thought that they've forgotten about you, and you're like, oh no. Did they all go inside? Because I haven't heard them talk in a while. They either went inside and forgot about me, or I won the game. And then you like hear somebody get close, and then all of a sudden you hold your breath, because apparently holding your breath makes you even harder to see. And then you look and you see their, their footsteps getting closer, get closer, closer. And then they finally find, find you and you come out and you're like, oh, you got me. And then the game's over. And you're like, okay, that was fun. Well, I thought I really won this game, but apparently I didn't. And it's just kind of like this weird feeling how you're hiding and you're like, this is fun at first. And then you're like, ooh, I feel alone. I feel abandoned. And I've been alone for a little bit too long now to kind of feel uncomfortable about it. And this, in the same sense, kind of reminds me of how our relationship with God can be. Where there's times in our life where we feel totally alone, we feel totally abandoned, we feel like there's nobody there for us, like we've been forgotten. 
We're afraid. It's like we're in the darkness. But the entire time, the God of the universe is seeking us out. He's never forgotten about us. And he finds us, and he, he grabs our hand, and he takes us in as his own. So tonight, the title of this passage is Never Alone. And as I previously mentioned in the beginning, I'm going to be picking back up in Psalm 139. So if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead, turn with me to Psalm 139. It's like in the middle of your Bible. Um, it's, pick it up in verse 7. And as Jacob mentioned last week, this is a prayer. This isn't just some, some made-up thing. This is a prayer from David. And as you're reading this, you can, you can see and you can feel his vulnerability. Through these words that he's praying, he's surrendering, he's putting it all out there for God. And this, this is a pattern through, through the Psalms. It's just full-on opening yourself up to, to God and, and inviting him in. This prayer was prayed 2,000 years ago, and we still see this play out today. So Psalm 139, starting in verse 7, reads this. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and night. Darkness and light are alike to you. This is such a beautiful and such a, a comforting passage, and it sets this evening up perfect, and it ties into last week so well, how last week it was, it was, Lord, you have searched me, and you know me, how you know every bit about me, and this week it's, God, how beautiful it is it that I can be in your presence? How beautiful is it that you are always with us? How you are always for us? How you will never abandon us. And the big idea that I want all of you guys to tune into and to walk away remembering tonight is this. You are never alone and God is with you. And God is the one holding on to you. And hiding is never the answer. So with that being said, the first point of the night that I want you to remember is this. No matter where you go, God is there with you. He will never leave you. And most of all, his hand is strong enough to hold on to you. So David writes in verse 7 to 10 that, that no matter where he tries to go, no matter where he tries to run, God is there with him. If he goes up to heaven, he's there. If, and if he descends down into the lowest, darkest parts of the spiritual realm, he is there. There is nowhere that he can go where God won't be with him. Last week, the word to describe God was omniscient, meaning he's all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows our deepest parts. He knows how the inner working parts of us. And this week, the word that I want you guys to remember is omnipresence. Omnipresence, meaning he is all-present. He's in every area of this world. He sees everything. Just because we cannot see him does not mean that he cannot see us. That's powerful to me. Just because I can look around here and I physically, I can't see God, 
He's looking at us. He's here among us. God is with you during your highest of highs and your lowest of lows, during those times in your life when you try to run, you try to hide, you try to escape. And honestly, you might get sick and tired of hearing the quote-unquote church stuff. You fear what people think about you. You put your identity in being alone and doing life by yourself because you're confident that you're more important than God. But even then, he's with you. And David mentions this place called Sheol, and he says, if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. And in case you don't know what this place is, it essentially represents a place of death, a place of abandonment. It's an Old Testament place that they talk about pretty often in the Bible. And, and what he's saying is that he can go up to God's beautiful, perfect, amazing heaven where it's sinless. There's no evil. There's no death. God lives there. He'll be in God's presence, and he'll be with him there. And on the opposite, if he stoops all the way down to the depths of death, God will be there with him as well. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And in verse 10, he writes this beautiful line. And in my opinion, it's, it's the pinnacle of this, of this passage, of these four verses. And he says, your right hand will hold on to me. And this is such a comforting and, and beautiful prayer from David because it's just, I think about the times that I'm, when I'm the most down, when I'm the most sad, when I'm the most scared and depressed. You can picture just the Lord just hold, holding onto your shoulder. He's, he's there with just this, this loving grasp and this loving touch. He's saying, I'm not going to let you go. And the image that comes to my mind when I think about this is like a little baby or like toddler or even a dog for that instance. Like if the dog's running away and the, the owner's got it on the leash, it's kind of chasing after it, and then the dog gets all the way to the end of the leash and it yanks its neck back and it comes back. And typically that one kind of ends up with like, you're a dumb dog, why'd you do that? But then for the little kid one, it's even more beautiful. I picture them just kind of aimlessly running, and their hand is back this way. They're about to run into the street, and the, and the parent grabs them, rips them up, and, and cuddles them in their arms to make sure that they're safe. That is what I imagine when I read that. So a little personal story of mine is there was a time in my life where I felt totally separated from God. This was about two years ago. Um, I was in the country of Syria on a deployment with the United States Army, and, and this was a time in my life where I've never felt more alone and isolated. Now, there was a lot of good that happened on that deployment. There's a lot of fun. would never change it for anything. But there was also a lot of hurt and a lot of trauma that came out of it. I spent 11 months away from my family and in my home in literally the middle of nowhere, deployed with about a group of roughly 1,000 people, but I lived with like 40 of them consistently. I was the only Christian one out of those 40 guys. We're in the second most dangerous country in the world, surrounded by evil, completely alone, away from the people that I love. And I remember one night I was walking around our base at like one in the morning in this just remote place of Syria. And we were gone all day doing patrols and missions through these just remote places and interacting with the locals, helping them out. And I just, I would do these nightly walks every now and then just to kind of clear my head, have some alone time because you're living like literally like from me to the table away from people. And I would go on these walks just to honestly be with God. And I was walking, and I remember hearing in the distance the Islamic call to prayer going on. And all I could feel in my life and all around me was darkness. 
first off, it literally was pitch black outside, so that's the first thing. I couldn't see anything. We didn't have any lights on our base. But the other thing, I was just surrounded by evil, and I remember stopping and crying out to God. I couldn't help but weep. I couldn't help but just cry. It was like everything that I had built up in me, all this anger, all this hurt, was coming out. I was frustrated that I was in this position. I loved that I was there, but I was so mad that it was so hard. It had been, at this time, like eight months away from home. I was, I was clinically depressed. I was filled with hidden sin. I was angry at everybody. I was angry at myself for constantly messing up, and I was angry that I had not felt the presence of God in so long. And all I could do was break down and weep. I stopped walking, and I just stood there and just cried. And I was looking up at the polluted sky stars that, there, that was there, and I was just crying. There was, there was a guard tower, like, from me to the wall away. And I'm sure the guys were like, who is this dude sitting down here just crying his eyes out by himself? But this song came on that I was listening to. And the song is called, I Belong to Jesus. And the main chorus is, you are with me. Father, you're for me. Fear will never conquer me because I belong to Jesus. And I heard that. And then I heard it the second time around. And it just broke me. It humbled me, and I was quickly reminded that I was not alone. I was trying to fight the spiritual, internal battle that I was facing every single day on my own, all by myself, that I, I knew I couldn't win it, but I just was too selfish to, to stop trying to fight it by myself, and God just wanted me to trust him. He reminded me that even though I was alone, even though I was far away from my family, from the people that I loved, from the community that loved me, from my church, from my job, from my fiancé at the time, he was there. He was with me. He was helping me fight my battles, and he never, let him, he never let me go, and he wanted me to step into the light of his presence. And he wanted me to step in the, into the truth that he truly is there for me, that he truly does love me, and that I truly do belong to him. So this takes me into my next takeaway for the evening that I want you guys to know, which is, Hiding is not the answer. Step into the light. Hiding is not the answer. Get it out in the light. In verses 11 and 12, David writes, If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light all around me will be night, even then the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. The darkness and light are alike to you. When I hear this, I think our identity is not found in the darkness. It's found in the light. I mean, literally, when you, when you turn the light off, you can't see anything. And then when you turn it on, you can all of a sudden, you see the colors, you see the trees, you see everything. There is no freedom in darkness. There's no freedom in hiding. There's no freedom in believing the lie of being judged for stepping out in boldness. There's no freedom in believing the lie of being embarrassed for stepping out in faith. God craves fellowship with us. He craves loving you. He loves that he gets to love you. And he just wants you to come out to him. In Genesis 3, we see this story play out. It's the creation story in the Garden of Eden um, with Adam and Eve. They had just disobeyed God's one and only command that he gave them. And that was to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And immediately as they did that, their, their natural response was like, oh, no, we need to hide. 
Like, we got to get out of here. We just realized what we did. We need, we need to hide. They wanted to hide because they were afraid of seeing God after they just blatantly disobeyed him. They couldn't dare look at him in the eyes. And later on in that, in Genesis 3, 9, we see God approaching both of them, and he calls out, where are you? And this wasn't a, like, where, like dude, where are you at? Like, wave your hands. I can't find you. He knew exactly where they were. He called out to them because he wanted his, Adam and his wife to step out boldly and come to him face to face. It's a firsthand demonstration of God's desire to be in fellowship with us and his desire to just be with us face to face. But this story also shows that us as humans have a fear of being with God because of the shame of our sin. But the beauty is that the dark and the light are the same to God. And and David says that the night shines as bright as the day to God. They're the exact same to him, but the difference with us is that he can see through the darkness and we can't. He can actively see what we're doing in the dark. He can actively see what we're going through. He's with us in the midst of it. He's with us in our sin, and he he sees these things perfectly clear. And the beauty of this psalm is this. I'm going to keep saying it over and over and over, is that God wants you to be in his presence because he shines brighter than the dark. He's better than the darkness. I've tried to hide from God, and I've tried to run from him, for those who don't know, I've grown up here at this church, gone here literally my whole life. My dad's been on staff for 30 years, so I've been sitting in these exact same seats. I sat up in junior high. I did everything here that you can think of. I was a part of it. And in my mind, I was one of the most churched kids that I knew. I could quote all the verses. I was dragged along to church all the time. I could sing the songs. I could, I could put the face on and make myself look so good, but deep inside, I was so lost, and I wanted nothing to do with it. I was so content with checking that box off of, yep, I prayed the prayer when I was seven years old. I'm saved. I got nothing else to do but just have fun, be noticed by girls, be noticed by people, be noticed on the basketball court, work for the scholarship that I really wanted, go out and party, go to college, and just live this lavish, money-making life that I knew just was not realistic at all, but that's what I was chasing because that's what I was being filled with by the community around me. I thought that being as far away from God, from God as possible but still being saved on the side and hiding all of my sins as deep down as I possibly could would do it for me. I thought that would do it for me. I was like, cool, that's good. And I believe that a lot of students nowadays struggle with that. There's a fear of being real. There's literally one of the most popular apps right now. It's called Be Real, and people don't even use it for its right purpose. They wait until they have something cool going on, then they take the picture. It didn't work for me. It ruined so much in my life. It's like everything that I was hiding just blew up at once. It broke the trust of my parents. It almost fully ruined my relationship. And honestly, if I kept going down that road, it could have killed me. The stuff that I was doing, the things that I was doing to try to get noticed, it ruined me. And the moral of the story is that God remained faithful to me in the midst of my unfaithfulness to him. My unfaithfulness led to his faithfulness and his passion to come after me. He saw the beauty in the darkness just like David did. 
and his hand consistently held on to me. He rescued me. He called me out of the darkness, and he saved me. At the time, my identity was rooted in fear of rejection, lust, sexual sin, popularity, insecurities, and God restored those, and he made me fully known because of his faithfulness and his presence during the darkest of days. Like, I literally remember the night where it all changed. I was sitting in my car. I was about to to drive to my now wife's house to have a conversation with her. And I was crying so hard because of all this stuff that was just coming out that the Lord was just revealing to me. I was crying so hard that I couldn't even see the road. It's like when your windshield is like so covered in rain that you're like, I need to stop for a little bit because I can't see the road. That's how it felt. I was so broken. I was so broken down and I was just stuck. I had no idea what to do. I had literally hit full rock bottom and I pulled over and when I say I was praying out loud, I was full on yelling. I was yelling at the top of my lungs in my car. And I said these exact words, God, I am not going to stop praying until I feel a genuine change in my heart. I was so tired of this just back and forth life that I was living. And I sat in the car for like a little bit over an hour just confessing, repenting, asking for forgiveness. And honestly, just apologizing to God. I was apologizing for my, my rebellious behavior for my rebellious heart, for my rebellious life, for the lie that I've been living for so long. And the the scary thing about the way that I was living is that if you saw me during those days, you would have had no idea that I was going through it. You'd have had no idea that I was following Jesus because I was so good, or that I wasn't following Jesus because I was so good at hiding it. I did it so well, I buried it down as far as I possibly could until that balloon just filled all the way up and boom, popped. Everything came out. And it was in that moment in my car that for the first time in my life, I genuinely felt and I genuinely believed the tender love and forgiveness of God that I had heard all of my life growing up. The truth that I just like shrugged off because it was forced on me because I didn't want to understand it, because I thought I was too cool, because I thought I would lose friends, because I thought I wouldn't be able to play the sport that I wanted to, because I thought I wouldn't be able to go to college, because I thought it wouldn't lead to the perfect relationship. And it all just made sense. And sure, in my life, I had those spiritual highs that I'm sure all of you guys are familiar with, where you come home from the, from the retreat, and it's a Sunday afternoon. You just got done with cry night, weeping your eyes out, and you're like, it's real, it's real, it's real. Then you get to school on Monday, and it, you start your cycle back over. But in this moment, it was real, and it stuck with me. God had officially revealed himself, and I officially believed it. Now, what I'm not saying is to go pursue some spiritual feeling. I'm not saying to go chase some some high emotional moment, because that's not at all what it's about. It's about being in the presence of God and having a genuine and true relationship with him and believing that he will sustain you and he will carry you through the darkest days of your life. So here's my question and my challenge for each and every one of you. What are you hiding behind? What are you hiding behind? In Genesis, we see Adam and Eve, they hid behind a fig tree because they wanted to cover up their sin of disobeying God. In my life, the things that I hide behind in this season of life, it's busyness, it's my job, it's my family, it's my marriage. And you might be thinking, like, those are all good things. You can hide behind good things, but it's what you're doing behind those hidden walls is what matters. 
For you guys, it might be popularity, might be social media influence, might be your relationship that you're in that you think is so good and you put it on as a wall, but then behind closed doors and you guys are alone, you're not doing what is so good. It might be social media. But then you get down the social media rabbit hole, and next thing you know, you have an addiction to pornography. It might be sports, where you think, I'm going to be the best athlete ever. And next thing you know, it's consuming your life, and you don't even talk to your closest friends. All of these things fade. All of these things bring temporary satisfaction. And these are all things that we so often just hide behind because we're so afraid just to take God for what he is. Take God for the person that he is, that he loves you. The danger of hiding behind just busyness, for example, is all of this stuff leads to false hope. It leads to misdirection, which just leads to hiding your sin and your shame even more. You guys, you'll never experience the fullness and the freedom of God if you just hide in the darkness, if you stuff your sin, if you stuff your shame. You never will. And the truth, the truth of all of this leads back to Jesus. It leads back to the fact that he loves each and every one of you. And while he was on the cross, screaming in agony, he pictures all of your guys' eyes just like this. He sees each and every one of your faces. He put those sins that you guys struggle with. He put everything that you do in the dark onto that cross, and he killed it. Now it's up to us to make that decision to fully kill it. We're not meant to do this life on our own. We're not meant to live in hiding. We're not meant to live in the darkness. We're not meant to live in guilt and in shame and lying. So step out in faith. Grab onto the hand that David writes about that's holding onto you. Trust it. And stop hiding. And I know the opening story about hide and seek may have seemed just like a little goofy or off-putting. But there's some truth to it. Us as humans are actively trying to run away and hide from the person that created us. Like, what sense does that make? We run away, we hide, and we try to, we try to not even face him because we're afraid because we disobeyed him. And then suddenly we get confused when it feels like he's not around. We're like, where did he go? It's like, you're the one that ran away from him. The truth is that he sees you, that he hasn't abandoned you, that he knows you on such a deep, he knows you more than you know yourself. It's such a deep level, and it's so beautiful, and it's so comforting. You might be like, that's kind of creepy. This guy's with me. He sees everything that I do. No, it's not like that. He sees you because he loves you. He has such a strong, strong relation, or desire to be in a relationship with you. So as you guys go into your small groups tonight, as you're with your groups, I know some of these might be newer groups, so I just want to encourage you to, to open up and be vulnerable. I want you to think about the question that I asked of, what are you hiding behind? Be real with yourself. Reflect about the walls that you have up. Reflect about what you're hiding behind and what, and what you're hiding and try to identify and confess those to your small group. And if you don't feel comfortable doing it in front of the group, do it with your close buddy. Do it with your small group leader one-on-one. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to go to small groups. Lord Jesus, God, thank you for the gift of your presence. 
God, how you love us so much that you want to be with us. God, how you, you willingly died and put our sins on the cross as a way of forgiving us. Jesus, I pray that this truth will not be taken lightly. God, I pray that this truth is not just another truth that people hear and shrug off, Lord, but that it actually hits, and it hits home. Lord, so I pray for all of these students and these leaders in their time in small groups tonight, God, that you'll just bless it, that your hand will be over it, and that um, some life changes will come from it, God. So we love you and pray this in your name. Amen. Hey,